there, Texture Lounges. It's Toomey Brooks, your host. This episode is all about making space for creativity, inclusivity, and rest. And today I am delighted to have with me a guest that I have personally admired from afar. Uh, We both worked in the hair industry. I am so sure that we've been in the same rooms together at the same time, but never actually had the chance to sit down and connect and talk. And today we get to do that for the very first time. So you guys are really getting to eavesdrop today. This guest is such an incredible editorial stylist and she works across all the texture types. So from straight hair all the way to super coily hair textures, she knows how to handle all of it beautifully with finesse. I always find it ironic that whenever I'm scrolling through the gram and I see a new campaign that's been launched by some of my favorite black designers like Christopher John Rogers or Finoel, and I see their models, I'm always attracted to the hair. More often than not, this guest on today's episode is the hand in the hair for all of these looks. So I'm really looking forward to introducing you to her. Now we've just come off of New York Fashion Week and you have probably all seen the video that's gone viral posted by a fashion model of color showing hairstylists who are doing some nonsense to her hair. They clearly have no clue how to manage textured hair. They have no clue how to style her hair into the look of choice for the show. This is a conversation that has been had for many years now. This is not a new thing. Just a few years ago, London Myers, another model of color, shared a video showing a very similar thing. And we're still talking about this today in 2022. My guest and I have a lot to say on this topic. We will share that with you. Would love to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to DM me, leave a review, and let's talk about this. Okay, so you guys are in for a treat today because you are truly being graced with the presence of the queen of statement hair, Naima Lafond. Now, Naima, she's Haitian-American, Brooklyn-born, New York-based. She's the global artistic director for hair care brand Amica, which I'm sure a lot of you know about. Always attracted to the packaging of that brand. Um, Her name rings bells for creating head-turning statement looks on the runways, in editorial stories, in global ad campaigns. So really, from effortless looks, her signature structured wonders, Naima does it all, and she does it all across all the texture types. So Naima, welcome to the Texture Lounge. Thank you so much, Toby. I'm going to just take you everywhere with me. (laughs) That was a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So (laughs) there was a question that I used to open up my interviews with in the past that I haven't asked in a while, but I'm going to bring it back today. What's the meaning behind your name, Naima? So the name Naima is actually an Arabic name, but uh, that's not where I got it from. My father named me after a John Coltrane song called Naima. Ah. Yes, my my father used to play jazz. He was a a musician. And John Coltrane was one of his favorites. And Mm. the song Naima is what he named me after. Big John Coltrane fan. I'm going to have to dig out the song so that I can place the name to the the actual (laughs) reference. Yeah, no that. one ever knows that, but I, in college, uh, music 
black and music professor. He called me out and he's like, I just want to know, is your name, are you named after the John Coltrane song? It's like, no Love one it. ever knows that. Love that. Love that. That's, that's how you can tell he knows his stuff. <laughs> he knows that's his right, stuff. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> So I'm seeing a lot of conversation around, especially like for business owners and entrepreneurs, um, the conversation around zone of genius and identifying what your zone of excellence is, et cetera. Um, so for those of you who are listening and you, that may not know the difference between the two, um, zone of excellence is basically when you are doing something that you're tremendously skilled at. So you've practiced it, you've cultivated it, you've established it over time. But your zone of genius is really the zone where you capitalize on your natural abilities, which are just innate rather than learned. What would you, what would you define as your zone of genius? Listening to you um, recite the meanings behind the two, I kind of feel like mine intersect. I feel mm-hmm. like my both my zone of genius and my zone of excellence is doing editorial work and working on all textures of hair because I, I personally look at hair as like a medium of art yeah. Um, instead of just hair because that's how I came into the business doing it. Sure. Um, so doing that like editorially, like just tapping into my creative space and just being able to just build and sculpt, I think that's where I personally come alive. That's where my best work happens. And what do you think it is about you that makes you great at what you do? Staying true to myself and mm-hmm. creating things that I want to see mm. as opposed to creating things that people like. Mm. That's big. That's big, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you must, I think for a lot of stylists, um, at least in the beginning, they feel like they have to produce content and work that is liked across the board versus getting to the point in your career where you've made a name for yourself and developed your reputation and, and um, feel like you can now step into the open and create only this only the type of work that you want um, to see. Do you feel like you've been this way from the very beginning or you've gotten yourself to the point where you can now create what you want? I think I've been this way from the beginning because yeah. of how my career started. I don't have the um, like the traditional start to my career. I started doing editorial work before I even went to beauty school. So before I learned the right way to do things, I was mm. just doing it my own way. Got it. And before I worked in a salon, I was on set doing things out of the norm. We're not doing what you're seeing on the street. Mm-hmm. We're not doing what you're seeing at home. We're mm-hmm. trying to elevate that or add a twist to it or add a creative element to it that maybe some people don't like, but it's really sure. about art and creativity. So that's where my um, my home is. And I I think I'm from that. I work from, from that, that space all the time. Yeah. Got it. Uh, what's one word to describe how you're feeling right now in this moment? Happy. Oh, good. Happy. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> Happy. Um, it, would you say that you're introverted or extroverted and, and how does that play in how you create? I'm definitely innately introverted, uh, but I have some extrovert qualities. I mean, if you look at what I do for a living, I'm the global artistic director of a brand. I'm on stages all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's very extrovert of me. Um, but for some reason, I feel 
more comfortable to be extroverted while on stage. Maybe it's because of that distance that's there. You can't see the individual faces when you're on right. stage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily need to interact um, yeah. on a very personal level. My interaction comes with eye contact and body language. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm interacting with the audience. And that feels good for me. Um, but also, I think who I am as far as introvert or extrovert really also depends on who I'm with. Yeah. yeah. If I'm with some extroverts that are genuinely themselves, like true to themselves, I come out of my shell completely. Mm. Um, but there are also people that are putting on and, you know, for an audience and just creating a show. And I feel like the, the, the entertainer in me, the stage presence in me can always spot that. Yeah. And I like stay clear. I'm like, I, yeah. you're, you're, you're working right now. <laughs> it's like, where's the off button? Where's the off yeah, button? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please just dial it back. I'm, I'm right. very similar like that. It, it drains me. I mean, I'm introverted. Um, so being around extroverts in general tend to, tend to drain me. But that personality that yeah. you just described, ooh, that is like a, big red flag for me it's like a yes. no can't do this I, I haven't charged up my battery enough to deal with this today right <laughs> okay are you reading any books right now I am I just bought this book by Amber Cabral say more about that oh tell us about it um, and it talks about like other ways to speak up and push back I'm just cracking it open so I haven't really gotten into it yet uh-huh. but she is a DEI expert and she talks a lot about like speaking up and advocating for yourself and for others and I'm always in the space of wanting to do more of that so I just wanted to hear what she had to say about it um that's definitely a book that I'm gonna add to my Amazon cart yes. probably today or tomorrow um it sounds okay. like <laughs> something that I'd be very interested in um, okay, so your personal fashion and beauty style, I want to hear you describe that in your own words, because, you know, whenever I've seen you, whether it's through IG um, or on stage, like, first of all, you've got iconic hair every single time, which makes Thank sense. You. Like, your hair is stunning, it's beautiful, it's um, it's you, and it speaks to your work, actually. But tell us, I want to hear from you. What's What's your personal style? I think, like... Effortless sexy is my personal Ooh, style. I okay. love I like that. sexy, so I do love a little tight fitting something. Okay. But I love to be comfortable. Mm. And I think uh, that interaction between the two, kind of like what I'm wearing right now, like a little, little crop top, but like a very loose silk shirt over it. Yeah. That's pretty much love. where I live in terms of style. <laughs> love, 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 love. Thank and- you. So when you were coming up, growing up, casting your mind back um, those years ago, was there an insecurity that you had that you eventually came over that you're willing to share with uh, your list- with my listeners? Um, I think just talking to people mm, okay. <laughs> had, had been an insecurity of mine since I was a little girl. I was always super shy and, you know, very nervous and feeling very anxious in social spaces. Um, I think also, especially like being in a Haitian family, like a lot of people are like very boisterous and outgoing Mm. and, you know, telling stories and talkative. And I felt very different from that experience. Um, And felt oftentimes like, like, why am I not more like, you know, like 
my sister? Why am I not more like my mm. cousins who just jump right in? They're like, hey, everybody. And I'm just yeah. like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but I meeting my husband actually took me out of that. My husband is like my complete opposite in terms of mm. personality. Mm-hmm. He is very outgoing, very extroverted. He will right. talk to anyone and everyone. Right. And when we first met, that was like, very scary to me because I'm with you. So if you're talking to them, I have to talk to them. (laughs) But he taught me how non-scary that can be. Like you're, you're in your head too much. It's not that Mm. serious. You could just say hi, you know, like strike a conversation. And that helped me so much in my work with Amika because I, after we met, I ended up traveling a lot all over the world And those skills that I attained being with him and being able to like open up and just talk to people really helped me to learn so much about people and the world and just really helped me gain so many new experiences when I traveled, you know, talking to locals and interacting with people. Um, But I still had that New Yorker in me that can kind of discern between like safe and not safe. So, right. Right. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about making space for creativity. Um, I would love to know that moment when you realized a career in hair was going to be your, your jam. Hmm. I definitely specifically remember I, a, my friend of mine was an aspiring model at the time. And she's like, I'm going to do this thing called a test shoot. Okay. Um, and everyone comes and collaborates on this photo shoot and I don't have anyone to do the hair. Do you want to do the hair? And I was always in hair. So it wasn't like she was asking someone that didn't do hair, but I never did it professionally. I was always the friend in the group that's doing everyone's hair before the party and, you know, fixing Mm -hmm. everyone's makeup to that level. So when she's like, she needed someone to do her hair, I was like, sure. And I grabbed like the most nothing bag, like very like a plastic bag, threw like a curling iron and some clips in there and went off to this test shoot. Test shoot. No idea what, the, what that even meant. And I walked in, I remember it was like, I think it was in, I think it was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I okay. walked into this tiny, scrappy little studio and there was the photographer and like the makeup artist and the wardrobe stylist and everyone pulling together this look on her and me doing the hair. And they're like, yeah, just whatever you think would go with this, this clothes and this background. And I just remember feeling like, wow, like y'all do this for a living. Like this Mm. is a a job. Mm. Like this is a thing. And I so feel like that was the first time I felt fully alive. Like I could literally feel the blood running through my veins with like excitement and adrenaline like wow like that day was the day that I really felt like Mm. I found the thing that I want to do because prior to that I had tried so many different things and I never saw the child try so many different things I was I went to I went to FIT for like uh, a certificate program to learn Mm -hmm. Uh, marketing. Okay. Just, I was just trying it. I mean, I learned everything that I learned, everything that I did ended up helping me in my career at some point. Um, I also try to be like a tax accountant. Like I'm horrible at math. Like why would I even do that? That's an interesting (laughs) different, like 
not creative. <laughs> not creative. <laughs> but I'm like, I was so lost in that class. I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, mm. What else? I, well, I studied biomedical pharmacology in college. Oh, wow. That was my major. So I was pre-med for a year and a half. And then I went wow. to sociology. Okay. I The job that I had prior to like risking it all and trying to become a hairstylist, I was working at the district attorney's office as a court clerk. Um, So I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer. Wow. (laughs) You really have done the gamut. You really have. Yeah. And I was really good at that job. Like I got an award from the district attorney and everything. Um, Okay. But I I knew what to do. Like I was good at it, but I wasn't passionate about it. Okay. Super clear. Thanks for taking us on that journey. I never would have, I never would have known otherwise. Right? So random. That's, that's why it's good to ask questions. Okay. I want to talk about your looks, right? Your signature looks are, they're unparalleled. Let's be, let's be honest. Um, they're phenomenally extra. And I'm going to share some images of some of your work um, with, the, with those who are listening that may not have seen. Um, what I love about the looks is that even when you create these amazing structured, you know, pieces or, or looks, they are so soft with movement. And for me, that's always been like the, the Naima effect. Like whenever I see a look, oh, I'm like, that's Naima. Like it's, it is this fabulous, fabulous thing, but it just looks, you want to touch it. Um, Thank you. So I just, so I'm going to put you in the mode. It's, it's time to create one of your signature iconic looks for, I don't know, a major beauty moment, an event or a mm. campaign. What sparks your creativity process? I need no one to talk to me. I need like, I need some, um, isolation a little bit mm. and I don't need to be alone. Like I could be in a room with 300 people, but oh. I just need, a, I need to zone in on yeah. the model. Like okay. I need to look at the woman that I'm working on okay. so I can see what it is that she's going to carry best because everything's not mm. for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think my ability to do that is one of my strengths to see that, this maybe this innate thing that you had, you know, like big ornament hairstyle that you had for this girl before you met her, it's not mm. going to work right. because she's maybe yes. a little bit more reserved and timid. Yeah. Um, what can make her feel more confident and what can make her stand a little bit straighter without scaring her mm. and taking that time to like look at someone and really analyze them and see how they move and how they turn their head and how they touch their hair helps me to really create something that's specifically for them. I can like the perfect answer. Cause as you were speaking, it was almost like a movie. I could see you in your space, <laughs> 300 people blurred out and you kind right. of looking at the model at different <laughs> angles, etc. Um, so I've got that picture in my head. Do you, ever get inspired by industries outside of beauty and if so which ones I wouldn't say industries outside of beauty okay I think traveling is what has inspired me the most okay just seeing things from other people's perspective um has made has been really eye-opening to me Mm. like even just how people look at American culture and American yeah. fashion and style and what they highlight and what they think is super cool. Like looking at it from their lens um, and also just understanding like local fashion and culture 
and local beauty, beauty trends and just beauty practices has really been something that has been um, impactful in my career. And so I want to know a little bit about pivoting because you kind of alluded it, alluded to it earlier on, right? You might walk, you might walk into a session or an editorial shoot with an idea of the look that you were going to create on a model, but then you see her um, and maybe you realize that for whatever reason, you need to take a different, a different direction. Yeah. So how do you handle pivoting when you are up against the clock? I think I do my best work up against the clock. Okay. Um, You're one of those people. <laughs> I am one of those people. Girl, right before our call, I was like doing five million things. I'm like two o'clock. <laughs> and she's here. And I'm here. <laughs> but like I, I kind of thrive in that. I think that mm. little rush of adrenaline, a little fire under you that, okay, like you really have to think about something, like get, get things going. Um, because I am such a relaxed person, like very low key, um, things like that, things like a time clock, um, a little bit of pressure really um, get me going. Okay. <laughs> so it's so it's so easy for me to pivot and change my mind. I'm never stuck to one thing. And I also think that has to do with my experience in editorial work, um, starting yeah. off with that, sure. where like you could be at a shoot and we had one thing in mind, but, you know, actually take the hat off. We're going to put this instead. We're yep. going to put a bow on her hair. Actually, no hair. Put her hair in a bun. And yeah. not taking it personally. Like, it's not about mm-hmm. you. It's about yep. the shoot. Exactly. Yeah, so. And when was the last time you had a creative block? And how did you get out of it? A creative block? I think the last creative block I had was probably at the top of the pandemic. Mm. Um, where I felt compelled to put some work out there, put some content out to kind of help my community Mm -hmm. um, get out of the headspace that we were all in. Yes. Um, And that was definitely a struggle um, because of what Mm -hmm. we were dealing with. Like we're dealing with like a global pandemic, death. um, So it was a lot to find beauty and uh, creativity and pull sure. anything from anywhere because I just couldn't, I couldn't find it. And like I said, travel was something that often inspired me and I wasn't doing you any couldn't of that. couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. So my husband and I actually, he was feeling the same. He, he does like cinematography and video. Um, mm. So we were like, you know, let's just do something here in the house. Like we can't leave the house. Like what can we do? So we took my daughter, um, and I did like one of my uh, Christopher John Rogers hairstyles on her, mm. like this like big hairstyle. And oh he gosh. like put a, like a yellow backdrop on it. We just had her literally sitting in front of her little iPad watching her show. Like, but she had just this like kind of like stoic look on her face, mm. looking like kind of like off to the camera because we had the iPad right next to the camera. Yeah. And then he just started shooting oh, and we man. created like a little editorial shoot out of it. And I posted it. And it like we, it got so much love online. Um, Allure magazine contacted me. They're like, we saw your shoot with your daughter. We love it. We'd love to feature the both of you. So like three months later, she and I were in a shoot for Allure together. I so that. that really just taught me to, to just trust myself and mm. know that what it is that I'm good at, what it is that God blessed me with is always with me. Yeah. Oh, 
I I remember <clears throat> seeing the um the article in Allure and I love seeing the content that you put out with your daughter, by the way. Thank I just you. think it's it's super inspiring. Um and I think the example that you just shared is a is the perfect one in terms of, you know, we don't always have to go outside of what we already have yeah. under like our own roofs to be able to create right. something that connects and resonates with um, a community of people. So what is the most satisfying career moment for you so far? Oh, the most satisfying career mm-hmm. moments for me so far was definitely, I think, the first Christopher John Rogers runway show. Mm. That was just just such a, I felt like an out-of-body experience, specifically because all of the work that I had been doing up until that point throughout my career, creating um, work and hair on all kinds of women, all kinds of textures, um, fighting my way into the industry to even get Mm. to do shows, Mm. um, keying shows, like all of that just came to a head in that moment to see one, I'm keying this major show. And two, there are women of all colors walking down this runway. I have, afros mm-hmm. and texture and editorial textured hair walking down the runway things that I didn't come up seeing you know mm-hmm. so it felt so amazing it felt beautiful and I still hold that so dear to my heart as a time where you know I just really felt like my career it kind of defined my career it made me realize how important yes. representation was to me because yes. I'm like backstage like crying, bawling, like, oh my God, this is happening. I'm here doing this. And on these women, that moment really just showed me like, this is what you're meant to do. Like you're meant to do it. You're meant to speak about it. um, And you're meant to be here. You just gave me goosebumps. I mean, that's, you know, it's very rare sometimes for that to happen many like many times and frequently in the work that we do day to day um so that's why I had that question for you because I wanted to see if you could be put back in that place where you where you felt that energy um and you clearly still do so that's beautiful um so what's the dream that you have for your life and what are the steps that you're taking to get there and it's a big question but what comes to mind what comes to mind? The dream I have for my life is to be a good person. Like number one, I want to be a good human being, someone that mm-hmm. contributes to people's lives in a positive way. Um, I think that's mainly what I try to do in my personal life and also in my career. So outside of, you know, making money, Of course, I want to create generational wealth for my daughter. That is also a dream for my life. But I think mainly because I learned from my dad who passed of cancer a few years ago that that. the the last thing that you're with is how you made people feel. Yeah. And I'm always cognizant of that because of him and making sure that I try to positively impact people and leave a positive mark on people's lives. That's 
again, another beautiful answer. <laughs> and you. I haven't had an opportunity to really get to know you, you know, even though I'm in the hair care industry and um, probably been in the same rooms, but didn't realize. But <laughs> just just in the few minutes of getting to know you so far today, like I, I definitely feel that. So I would say you're well Thank on you. your way if you're not, if not there already. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course. So inclusivity, you talked about it just a little bit earlier on in terms of describing yeah. how you felt backstage at Christopher John Rod, your first Christopher John Rogers show. Um, clearly, first of all, I have to say, I've got a caveat this by saying the word inclusivity right now is a buzzword. And sometimes when I hear it, it irks me. I feel like I need to find a different word <laughs> for it because everybody's trying to be inclusive, right? right. But Loads of, you know, the brands that are really striving to do this, um, some are doing it, some are doing it authentically and others aren't. Um, but here's why I think inclusive, I feel like inclusivity for you is, you know, it's, a, it's really important. And the reason why I, I think that is just based on some of the research I've done on you, you did partner with Pinterest um, to develop this hair pattern search um, capability on this on their site. So mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, if you go to Pinterest now and you search I don't know, ponytail styles, you'll get a drop down that pops up that says protective, like protective styles, coily, curly, wavy, or yeah. straight. So then the images that are fed back to you can be more specific and tailored to what, you act, what you're actually looking for, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you've also been incredibly vocal about black hairstylists being tokenized and being underrepresented, only being called in to style hair of black individuals. Um, you wrote a guide, uh, 11 Ways to Support Black Hairstylists and Creatives during uh, the pandemic, essentially, um, right after George Floyd, which was a very moving piece um, and a very actionable piece for the brands out there that are looking for ways to become more inclusive. So this is a trend watch moment. And I know you and I have exchanged one or two notes on this recently, but um, right. fashion week, gosh, it's such a sensitive time for black models, right? Because right. they aren't taken care of backstage because there are stylists backstage who either don't have the education, they don't have the tools, they don't have the confidence to style or care for textured hair. Um, there is a there is a video that's going at, going around right now this past couple of weeks since we've just come off of New York Fashion Week of a model who is literally doing that. She's backstage. There are hands in her hair, rubbing the hair in all sorts of directions that we right. know are not good for textured hair. And, if, you know, she ends up being sent down the runway, not looking like the rest of the cohesive right. hair hair look. Um, what's one message you'd like to say to these backstage stylists? Let's start there. I personally think that we need to go even deeper than the stylist. I think we need to look at production and mm -hmm. the key hair stylist. Like explain, who even gave you that the job? Key. Explain what a key stylist is for those who don't know. So the key stylist is the lead stylist for the show. The stylist that meets with the designer to discuss what the hair look is going to be mm -hmm. and creates the hair look. So he or she decides on what the look is going to be and right. tells everyone, okay, we're doing this ponytail. You go off to your respective tables and yep. you create this look on the models that sit in your chair. Got it. So that person, whoever the key is, is responsible for pulling a team together. 
And the production team or the brands who are also responsible for hiring that key or bringing this key to be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some accountability placed Absolutely. somewhere. Like, yeah, we need to like, of course, we're going to look at the stylist that the fact that they don't they lack the education. Yes, that is a major thing. We have addressed that. But now I think we need to really address the elephant in the room. And that's the key hairstylist and who is doing the hiring. Like, mm. how do you hire someone for a job that you do not know that they know how to do? Right. Like, I could never get away with that. Like, I, I could just never get away with that. I could no. never get away with saying, like, oh, this straight hair, I just I just don't know how to curl it. Right. It's just not a thing. It's not, I can't do that. So the fact that that continuously happens, especially at this point, I feel like we, it's not a secret conversation anymore. No, at, I mean, at we, one we've point had this was. conversation for years now, for years. Right. At one point, it was a conversation that we were having behind closed doors amongst ourselves as Black creatives. Yeah. Saying, you know, this is ridiculous. How is it still happening, et cetera. Sure. But in the wake of the pandemic, that conversation has now been an open conversation where we are speaking mm-hmm. out about this. So everyone is aware that this is an issue. So is it mm-hmm. like you just you just don't care at this point because you know it's an issue. Like you cannot be a high level hairstylist and not be aware of this. So I know that you are aware that this is happening. The fact that it's happening under your watch means that you don't mm-hmm. care because yeah. it at my shows, the shows that I'm keying, I am making sure, one, that everyone on the team has experience with textured hair. And prior to the show starting, I always tell anyone, if you have a problem with doing anyone in your chair, please make sure you send them to me. Please yes. ask a fellow hairstylist. Do not do any hair that you don't know how to do. Like, And yes. if you have an issue with this look, tell me now. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I feel responsible for every look that walks down the runway, even mm-hmm. if I personally don't do it. Yeah. It's my name that's going down the runway. It's right. going to be hair by Naima Lafond. Yeah. So I need to make sure that you know what you're doing, you're comfortable, and also that the people, the women sitting in your chair feel confident, feel beautiful, feel as tended to and cared to as everyone else. Yeah. And not when you sit in the chair the person's like picking at you or looking at your hair like, ooh, I don't know mm. where to start, what to do. Mm. Like all of that is so important. I've done so many shows where the model, I come over to the model and she's like, you're the key? And I'm like, yeah. And like she like lights up and it like makes me mm. want to cry. I'm just like, this is such like a crazy thing that, you are because they, they come guarded, you know, of they come do. Yeah. Come do. guarded, of course. And with like their bag of products or yep. a wig to throw on, because we don't yes. know what you're going to do to your hair. Like oh. we don't know what the hair is going to look like. So God forbid it doesn't look good. At least I have this wig, wig to throw on. on or at least I, I already put my hair in cornrows. So if you don't know how to do the 
the selected look, just leave my cornrows. Yeah. And that should not be the case. Like we should be allowed to wear that editorial hairstyle. You should Mm -hmm. know how to take me from a fourth C to a loose wavy. You -hmm. should know how to, you know, fix or uh, lay down this wig that I'm already wearing. You should know how to fix the edges. You should know how to, you should know that water does not go on freshly pressed hair. That's not how you slick it back. <laughs> that is not how you slick it back. That That's is the not exact how you slick way it back. to do the opposite. <laughs> to do the complete opposite. Like the basics, you should know that. But again, mm. back to the key, like you yeah. should be on the lookout for that. You should be, yeah. especially in this time, like that's not happening at my show. I want to mm. make sure that everyone, every model who sits in any of these chairs is taken care of and she can get the look successfully and there are no issues. Someone needs to take responsibility for that. And we need to start looking at whoever's doing the hiring and whoever's responsible for the team. Because also at the end of the day, like as a hairstylist, you know, a lot of hairstylists in New York City or just any city, you know, if you're just coming up, you're assisting, you're not making a lot of money. So maybe I don't know how to do this. Like, I'm going to show up anyway because I want this. Yes. Yes. They're just showing up because they want... I was just going to say to, I was literally going to take us down that Mm -hmm. road because I think you said something earlier that made me think to myself exactly what you just said, right? These, you have the key stylist and I think what the job, aside from everything that you've, you've already laid out, the job of the key stylist is also to create a safe space for the stylist Mm -hmm. that they are hiring to say, put their hand up and say, I don't, I don't feel confident. I don't, I don't think I could do it. Like, can you maybe have her sit with so-and-so who I know is more texture proficient? Like, mm-hmm. I think that place needs to, that space needs to be created because otherwise they're walking to these situations where they, where they don't know what they're doing and they don't feel right. confident enough to say, right. I can't do this because they want that check. Right. And that's a very, this, you know, uh, video can be very career damaging to this mm-hmm. assistant that's doing the hair. There's an, these, yes. these are assistant hands that are in there. True. And someone else told them to do this. Someone else True. gave them a job without yep. knowing that they are capable of doing that job. Yep. So that's yep. so unfair. That's also unfair to them. Like that key, mm-hmm. the people who are doing the hiring also need to take accountability. Yes. You know, because we can't really put the full blame on the stylist because one, we're not even teaching texture in school like that. So no, they weren't even trained. Yeah, it's not in the curriculum. You have to go out there and get it yourself. Yeah. And oftentimes education is, can be expensive. Yeah. So if you're a struggling artist, maybe you don't have the means to get this mm-hmm. education. But also you shouldn't be getting that job. It should just be that simple. Absolutely. You don't know yeah. how to do this? Okay, I will reach out when I have something that's more of a fit for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, a lot of people, the same video that I'm, you know, that I'm talking about, a lot of people have started uh, doing some digging as, you know, you read through the comments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it is, it seems as though the designer for that show is a black man, is a black man. Right. Now, how, how much of a role do you think the designer has in, in all of this? Or do you think it's really just down to the key stylist? I feel like it's down to the key stylist. By yeah. the time the designer has a problem with it, it's too late. The show late. has to start. The show yeah. has to start. Mm. That, it is, that's why it's such a huge responsibility placed on the key hair. Like, it's you right. have to make sure that this is okay. Yeah. Because by the time 
the designer's like, ooh, this hair. Girls line up, it's time to go. There's time no to go. time to there's no time to redo and do things over. It's mm-hmm. such a tight timeline. Cause you have to remember people are going from one show to the next. You know, right. like a show starts at 7 p.m. It starts at 7 p.m. because at 7.30, there's another show. Absolutely. So there's no time yeah. to do that. So I really wouldn't place the blame on the designer. Um, I think, though, that now, hopefully, designers are more tapped into who is doing the hair. Because oftentimes, they get the sponsorship for the branding. They get the sponsor, um, whoever's going to be the hair sponsor, and mm-hmm. that hair sponsor has a hair, a lead hair, and that's yeah. who's going to do the hair, right? Yes. But I think now people need to be more like, okay, yes, you are going to be sponsoring. Amazing. Who's doing hair? Who's the key here? Mm. Oh, this person has no experience with textured hair. We have to revisit this. Like we, we have to yep. talk about something else because we need to make sure that the person keying the show is comfortable to lead a right. show, lead a, a team of stylists that can do all hair types. Got it. I think that makes yeah. that makes so much sense. Now, I mean, is there another major change that you would like to see in the beauty industry that you have a desire to to front or to lead? Um, well, I feel like the main change is still in the process. Like we're still not there. And I feel that it's having more black leads, more black people, black artists, keying shows. Um, we're seeing more of that, but I don't think we're seeing enough of it. Mm. Um, clearly from what we're seeing online, you know, that is something that I think really needs to change that we have so much skill. Like we have to have so much skill in order to be in this industry. And the fact that we are disproportionately allowed access, like such little access to these big shows, these covers, all of these mm. things, it just doesn't make sense. It just, mm. the math is not mathing. <laughs> the math is not mathing. Okay, so let's talk about rest because you're clearly on the go. You're busy. Like you have, you're, you just said before you dialed into this, this interview, you were doing a million other things and two o'clock came yeah. and you're on. I yeah. want to know a little bit more about how you're making space for rest. Um, burnout. That is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever experienced it personally? I think during the pandemic, I experienced some burnout from mm-hmm. all the zoom and the social media it was a lot because i was more accustomed to in person like yeah i'm educating in person i'm traveling to educate i you know i can talk to people one-on-one and doing it online this kind of like quick bites of human interaction this get on the zoom teach this braid it just wasn't the same it just didn't and I could also see the faces like this is like let's say for example I'm teaching class of like 30 people these are 30 human beings all going through this like human experience that we're all going through and you could see some people are like having a hard time some people are going through you know rough days maybe some people are experiencing loss Mm. I could just simply say something like um you know I hope everyone is okay I hope all of your family's okay you can see a few people tearing up. Tear up. That's a hard thing to get, you know, 
excited about and get into. Like mm-hmm. that's very emotionally taxing, you know, yeah. to have to do that day in and day out, day in and day out. Like it was a lot. So I definitely re- reached a point where I was like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. I need some space. <laughs> like I need to not zoom for a while. Did you do that? Um, did you did you yeah. implement some something, some rules, some boundaries around that? Absolutely. Um, and I also was saying yes to too many things. You know, like yeah, I learned a while ago that no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. But I think in the midst of the pandemic and you know wanting to please people and mm-hmm. make people feel good, I was I was putting that boundary away and saying, mm-hmm. sure, I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. I, of course I'll be there for your audience. Sure. I can do this podcast yeah. when I didn't have it yeah. and making sure that I placed, you know, some boundaries around myself to protect myself. And also, you know, I have, I have to be a mom and a wife making sure that I have something left for home mm-hmm. when I'm done with all the, the classes and the zooms. Yeah. I had to set those boundaries in place to make sure that, you know, I'm, I was also, taking care of home as much as I'm taking care of myself. And how do you know when it's time for you to just turn it all off and disconnect from it all? (laughs) My husband says I'm so dramatic for this, but when I start saying, I don't think I want to do hair anymore. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's the biggest threat to the industry. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I don't don't think I want to do this anymore. He's like, I think you just need a break. And it's Uh. always true. I just like take a little break. I'm like, just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> it's like your it's your code phrase it's your code phrase right. when he hears that he's like okay chill out yeah chill out, time, a little bit. Chill out. yeah <laughs> and so can you can you share any examples of ways that you are currently protecting your peace um like i said saying no saying no um, okay. and holding no and holding tight to that no okay. because i learned from my mentor as well that yes is very expensive because when you say like yes to something, not only do you say yes to the thing, but also the follow-up, the emails, the emails yeah. leading up to that thing, the mm. conversations, whatever happens after that thing. Mm. So you're investing in this whole experience surrounding this one thing you said yes to. And yeah. maybe you just said yes because you wanted to maybe just get out of that conversation quickly or, you know, people were watching and you didn't want to make anyone feel bad because there was an audience. Mm-hmm. But you have to learn to put yourself first and mm-hmm. know what's for you and what's not for you. You know, what's a safe space for you? What's going to make you feel good? I mean, even down to like doing interviews like this. Yeah, of course. I learned during the pandemic that, you know. I can't say yes to everyone. I have to make sure that I want to be featured on this person's uh, platform and that I like how they interact with their audience and that it's not a toxic space and Mm -hmm. that it's not like drama because that's not me. (laughs) In in the pandemic, I did. I remember putting myself like on this podcast, like, sure, I'll do it. And then I'm like, wait, what is this conversation about? Like, why are we (laughs) are we talking about people? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, it just was knowing that, you know, it's okay to say no and people have to be okay with your no. And that's that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, So takeaway there is, is no is a complete sentence and yes is expensive. Absolutely. Um, I, 
before we move on to the next question, again, another big reason why I'm so thankful and delighted that you're sitting here with me today. Like you didn't have to say yes. You really didn't have to say yes. Um, um, so I appreciate it. I really do. And I think that everything that you're sharing is going to be of value to, um, to everyone that's listening. So thank you. Genuinely. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Describe your ideal day off. What is Naima doing? Oh, girl, nothing. I love a day of absolutely nothing. No plans mm -hmm. at all. Um, that best. is my ideal day off. I want to just go with the flow and like, oh, like if I wake up and decide to go back to sleep, it's that's okay. fine. You know, yeah. I'll wake up and like, oh, I'll watch a little TV or just turn that off and read a book mm -hmm. or you know what? Actually, I want to go for a massage. Just just kind of going with the flow and being able to do that, having the freedom to do that is right, my yeah. ideal day off. When is your next day off? My next day off is tomorrow, actually. Oh, good. Yes. And good. what am I doing? I have some acupuncture planned and okay. that's about it. Love it. A really free flowing <laughs> day. Yes. Okay. So we got to talk about beauty because it's the industry that we both work in. We've talked a bit about it, but... I want to go a little deeper and I want to understand a little bit more about what your earliest beauty moment, let me say, let me say that again. What was your, what is your earliest beauty moment that you can remember? Hmm. I think the most impactful one that I can remember is my mom taking me with her to the beauty salon. Um, and I specifically remember this one day and she had like she had a Haitian male hairstylist that flew in from Haiti to like do like his favorite clients and he took out this I'm like sitting there watching him take out her roller set and he's like running a comb through it you know how you run the comb and do a little yeah, wave on the way I was just like <laughs> I just remember feeling like wait what is that like Ooh. how did you do that like that just this kind of like pull to that Ooh. creative moment and I was yeah. just I think that's when I was like really fell in love with hair because I would go back to my Barbies and try to like do a thing mm -hmm. and try to replicate how that made what me feel. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a really poignant story um, because you create a lot of a lot of beautiful waves on the looks that you create yeah. right from time to time. So I almost wonder if you remember that specific moment as you're creating that um as you're creating those styles today, but beautiful, gorgeous. So, I, I don't remember that no. moment as I'm creating it, but I, okay. I do always like hunt for that feeling, uh, how that moment made me feel yeah. that okay. like adrenaline, like I can't wait to take these like rollers. Out. I can't wait to run this brush through. Like mm -hmm. that's how I felt in that moment as a little girl, that excitement, like, Ooh, look how that hair moves. Look how big it, look at the profile. Like mm. that feeling is always what I'm hunting for when I create a look. That's when I know, okay, this is good. It's the anticipation of the vibe. That's what yes. that is. That's what it is. <laughs> um, okay. Are there any beauty rituals that you grew up with that you still maintain today? And maybe you've passed on to your daughter. Beauty rituals. Hmm. I personally, my mom didn't really have many rituals, but she did, mm -hmm. she was into makeup Okay. as a child. Like I do remember her with her fashion fair makeup. Oh yeah. Doing her makeup and 
I remember sitting there watching her all the time. She would let me help. And to this day, we still do that. So I think oh. that is that is one of our beauty rituals where we, you know, indulge in makeup together. And when do you feel the most beautiful? I feel the most beautiful. I think I feel the most beautiful on vacation. <laughs> okay. Why is that? Because I think I have on vacation is when I'm like, okay, work is let go. Like I feel like the most stress free mm-hmm. on vacation. So I think it reads all over my being. Like yeah. I'm just in such a chill vibe. I'm not on work mode. I'm not on go. Mm-hmm. I'm just so like, I think the closest to like how I was when I was younger before jobs and before work and stress, like yeah, you just feel so like youthful and just like carefree. And I feel like that's when I feel my most beautiful. Stress is so physical. Like, yeah, it I is. feel like, you know, you can it read is. it in your shoulders, you know, yeah. like in your face, how you hold your face. Like, yeah, it's just such a physical thing that you don't realize until it's not there anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So describe your favorite self-care moment. What does that look like? My favorite self-care moment is a nice hot bath. Ooh. Like after like a long day, a long shoot, mm-hmm. where stand, I'm standing on my feet all day. A nice hot bath is just like the best. Are With you using like a glass any... of wine ideally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you using any, any fun products along with your bath that you love to use? I'm trying now this, um, it's this like bath powder from, I think, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Osea. Okay. O-S-E-A. Okay. They do like body creams and stuff like that, but it's like super like fresh smell, like really nice, like natural product. Um, It's amazing. Love, love. Well, make sure you get that booked into your calendar sometime soon. Yes. (laughs) Maybe on your day off. Maybe on your day off. So. Do you have, if I was to look into your schedule or your calendar right now, do you have any beauty appointments um, coming up? I know you said acupuncture tomorrow. Yes. Anything else? Um, Lashes. I do, yeah, my lashes with Julian. He's amazing. Um, I go like once every three weeks. Got it. Um, Yeah, lashes is probably a a standing beauty appointment. That and nails because my hands are always Mm, in. In shots. uh, in shots. So yeah. I'm getting my nails done later to just change the color. Okay. Um, cause I have, I have a work event that I want to like, kind of like match my nails to. Okay. Um, but nails and lashes are probably my go-to. Your go-tos. Mm-hmm. So are there any, are there any go-to hair care or beauty, skincare, makeup products that are like your, your faves? If you can name a couple of those, we'd love to know. Um, makeup products. I'm loving Mented Cosmetics. Ah, yeah. I'm hearing I great love things. Their, yeah, they have this like a peachy blush that okay. I'm wearing right now that I love. Uh, also, Live Tinted, Obsessed. Mm. Um, they have these like kind of like crayon looking. Got it. Uh, you could use on anything like on your eyes, like, blush, eyes, lips. cheeks, lips. Yeah. It's, it's like a multi kind of. I love that. Um, yes, I'm in glam and, and I can be glamorous, but I love an easy makeup mm-hmm. routine. And totally. those lip tinted crayons are just everything. And I, totally. I, a must have for me is eyeliner. I like, I love eyeliner Ooh. and I okay. love the Pat McGrath one. 
Oh, yes, I do have that. That's a good one. That is a yeah. really good one. Now, are you a above the lash line type of person for eyeliner or below? I am a wing you are and a, a wing. brown below, like a black wing and a brown below. So ah. it's not like too dark. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> so you wake up one morning, you realize that you're waking up late. You've got 15, min- 15 minutes to get your makeup or your hair done. Yeah. What are you going to do? Probably makeup. Because I am also like throw a head wrap wrap on kind of girl, like Mm -hmm. very easily. Like I love a head wrap. So I probably just throw a head wrap on and do a little quick beat. Got it. Love that. (laughs) And you've mentioned some brands already, but are there any black owned brands that you just, you just love and you just, you know, rock with? I love me some black girl sunscreen. Mm. Uh, and like one. I said, I love the Mented Cosmetics. Yes. Um, I think those are two of my favorite Favorites. like black beauty brands. I love this brand called Claire. <clears throat> Claire. I don't know if you've heard of it. K-L-U-R. They are not paying me. I promise you that. <laughs> they have this really gorgeous um, body oil called Ooh. Elements of Comfort. And it just smells <laughs> It just like whenever I smell it, it just gets me into my my own space. Mm. Um, it's super calming. It's it's gorgeous. So I recommend it to to anyone that is any anybody that's willing to listen. I literally have like three bottles around the house. It's, really? it's my favorite. Okay, yeah. adding to cart. Add to cart. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, okay, so we we've coming we're coming to the end of this. I can't believe it's gone really quickly or as quickly as it has, but. You're so easy to talk to. Oh, yay. I'm glad to hear that. You, you honestly are too. Um, What's coming up for you? Is there anything that you want to plug or share at this moment? Um, I think I'm going to start doing some online education and probably some live education specifically around um, editorial work. A lot of people have been asking me about that because I do have done a lot of education on like salon hairstyling, you yeah. know, um, uh, specifically being with Amika. But people are often asking me about like creating editorial work. And I do want to do an editorial masterclass. So oh. look out for that. Oh, we're going to have to look out for that. And I love yes. that you, you've you cor- corrected me subtly on the pronunciation. It's not Amika, which is what I've always said. Amika. <laughs> Amika. So thank you, Amika. Uh, Amika. No <laughs> uh, where can my listeners find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Naima Lafond. Perfect. We will add those links or that link to the show notes so they can find you nice and easy. Yeah. Okay. So now that we get to the end of the interview, I'm going to ask you that same question that I asked you in the beginning again. What's one word to capture how you're feeling right now in this moment? Hopeful. Hopeful. Okay. Okay. What happened between happy and hopeful? Between happy and hopeful, like talking to people like you who, who get it and who are so aligned with what we need to do in this industry makes me feel hopeful. Oh, thank you, Naima. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you, as I've said. Um, I can't believe this is the first time we have seen each other face to face and have spoken. It feels like we've known each other for a while. Thank you for saying yes to this. And um, for having me. Of course, any time that I can support in the things that you're doing and your efforts, please. I know it's just little old me, but please feel free to reach out. I'll I'll be happy to see how I can get involved also and help. 
Thank you. I'm so grateful for that. I appreciate it.